Shalom everyone, I'm Monty Judah with Lionel Land Ministries. We're gonna do a review on the war in Gaza with Israel. The probing attacks are coming out of Hezbollah more frequently with missiles coming across the border. The regional war involving all the players in the Middle East is now inevitable. And the U.S. activity is now cranked up in the Middle East with U.S. airstrikes in Syria. And here in the States, we have the pro-Hamas protests continuing and growing in the United States as we now are revealing anti-Semitic Jewish, anti-Jewish people that exist in our own country. Messianic World Update begins now. Shalom everyone, I'm Monty Judah with Lionel Lamb Ministries. Welcome to Messianic World Update. Today's date is Friday, October the 27th of the year 2023. I'm sure that you're familiar with that Israel is now in a war with Gaza. Rockets continue to fly out of Gaza while the IDF continues to intensively bomb the area in the northern part of Gaza. In particular, Gaza was able to launch some long-range rockets that were en route to Haifa, way up in the northern part, as well as rockets at Tel Aviv. Just recently, one of them did get through and hit an apartment building in Tel Aviv. But adding to that, they also attempted to launch long-range rockets over toward Elat and the Gulf of Aqaba. That's the first time that has happened. And again, those rockets were shot down. Along with rockets that are now coming out of Yemen, drones and long-range ballistic missiles, kind of cruise missiles, they were shot down by U.S. destroyers in the Red Sea. Several top Hamas commanders have now been killed in the effort of the IDF to soften up the whole Gaza campaign. They even killed one of the leading rocket commanders down in the southern part. Again, Israel is using drones or keeping track of who's moving around where. When they identify one of these Hamas commanders, they think they can take him out. They're coming in specifically to assassinate them. Negotiations for the hostages apparently are still continuing. The nation of Qatar has been involved in that process, helping to release some of the earlier hostages. And Qatar, just to kind of explain them a little bit, they are big supporters of Hamas. They have contributed monies and helping them without, not necessarily militarily, but economically, helping them with the funding for their effort. And they are probably the best nation that can be able to speak directly to Hamas, since they're one of their benefactors. And as a result, there's efforts on the part of the other nations of the world to work through Qatar to try to get more hostages released. I can assure you that no Israeli is going to get released, and that's the bulk of the hostages. Essentially, they're trying to get the foreign hostages out, those that belong to other nations, including the United States and American citizens. Will they be successful? Well, at the moment, it appears that Hamas is playing a cruel game of releasing one or two at a time whenever they think it's most effective for them. It begs the question, how are the hostages being treated? Are they being kept well? Are they safe from what's going on? The feedback from the other hostages is very concerning. 
about what the conditions are for the hostages that are in, being held in Gaza. Israel now has established an emergency unity government. Benny Gantz, who formerly was a deputy prime minister and IDF chief, he's now part of the war cabinet. And the war cabinet includes Netanyahu, Benny Gantz, a couple of other people, including the IDF chief of staff, certainly the IDF defense minister, Gallant, and they are the guys that are now deciding what Israel will do and whether or not they'll be turned on for it. Earlier, we'd heard a report that the decision about what to do with Gaza was turned over to the IDF, that the politics was out of it. Not anymore. As a result of the U.S. getting involved in this process, they've complicated this thing for Israel dramatically, and Israel has had to establish a war cabinet to be able to make decisions. Netanyahu, on the announcement of this, used a very interesting phrase. I want to repeat it to you. He said, the delay in the Gaza operation is based on strategic reasons. So that the rest of you can kind of understand what that language means, strategic means worldwide. It doesn't mean the theater. It doesn't mean just restricted to the Middle East. And we have since learned from his statement what's going on, that the U.S. is putting additional military assets into the theater. The USS Eisenhower that we thought was going to join the USS Ford in the eastern Mediterranean, no, has been redirected to the South Atlantic to go around the Horn of Africa and come up and go into the Persian Gulf. So the U.S. is going to put a strike carrier in the Persian Gulf, one in the eastern Mediterranean. They've moved in a marine expeditionary unit into the Red Sea area. As to whether or not they will come up with the eastern med, we don't know, but they're it, kind of between the two for the location. And the most difficult thing I have had to hear is that the U.S. brought in some military advisors and basically they told the Israelis you guys are not ready to do the Gaza operation. The complaint was that you don't know how to fight that kind of war. And the U.S. advisors are saying, we have this experience from dealing with Iraq, and what has been shared so far to date is the U.S. is coming in and counseling Israel about two types of battles that took place in the Iraq war, explaining what the differences is to help shape the Gaza plan for how Israel will go into Gaza. One of those was the famous battle in Mosul, in which the U.S. got involved with defending the Kurds against the Iraqis. And that particular battle plan was what were called strategic strikes. In other words, they had special operations forces that came in supported by aircraft that specifically were targeting things. That was one type of battle. The other one is the street-to-street, house-to-house battle that was fought in Fallujah. And you may remember from that, that was quite an operation there in Iraq of the Marines and special forces going in and clearing out that whole city. So they have said to Israel, they've looked over their battle plan to go into Gaza and raised questions about Israel's preparedness and whether or not they have an effective battle plan. Now, at the same time that they are supposedly saying, hey, you guys aren't ready for this and we urge you don't do it, 
they also are saying, no, 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 it's Israel's decision as to whether or not when they want to go and how they want to do it. However, with regard to the northern front uh, with Hezbollah, and Hezbollah is shooting a dozen or so rockets over the thing, and in particular, short-range kinds of stuff, anti-tank weapons, and so where they're shooting across the border, Israelis are being killed. And Israel is bombing back, and the northern residents of Israel are demanding the government to launch a preemptive strike and hit Hezbollah and eliminate them just like we're trying to eliminate Gaza. The northern residents are saying, look, we're just like the Gaza situation. We're going to get hit by these people, just like down in southern Israel, Hamas was hitting the southern residents. The northern residents have said, Israel's got to clean out the Hezbollah problem themselves. Well, the United States is telling Israel they can't do it. They're telling, hold off, hold off. You see, if you do that, that'll escalate the whole battle, and we don't want to have an escalation problem. We don't want this to turn into a regional battle in the Middle East. By the way, it already is a regional battle in the Middle East. It's going crazy. There is, there's combat going on in the West Bank. Hamas people are being arrested. Settlers are armed. Settlers are fighting Palestinians in the West Bank right now as we speak. They just, you're not hearing a lot of it in the news. The United States is very concerned about that, right, by the way, and complaining about it, that the settlers are armed and dealing with the Palestinians in the West Bank. There is a slow war going on on the northern border. Israel's had to evacuate its citizens for a mile and a half away from the border. The war's going on all over the place. By the way, Iran was just at the UN this week and boldly made the statement that if the U.S. doesn't stop Israel from attacking Gaza, that the U.S. will not be spared from what is going to happen. And so the Iranian foreign minister basically told the U.S. on U.S. soil, threatened the United States with regard to what's going on. Now, the president and the U.S. is trying to do everything they can to say, oh, well, we're completely separate from what Israel's doing. We're not really involved. That's Israel and those. We, the U.S., we're only there to protect the interests of U.S. forces that are in Syria and Iraq and to protect them and our bases in the Persian Gulf. That's what we're there for. That's what we're trying to do. And you may have heard the latest report, you know, after the Iranian proxy in Iraq attacked these bases, the U.S. bases that are in Syria and Iraq, and we have approximately a dozen men that have been wounded, and one man died, a contractor had a heart attack when the attack came and he died. And everybody here in the U.S. was going to the president and said, wait a minute, you guys told them that if a single American gets hurt that you're going to retaliate. Where's the U.S. retaliation? There was so much pressure being put on the president and the White House, they finally had to do something. So last night, as I'm coming in this Friday morning, so it was on the same day Friday, early in the morning, the U.S. carried out a airstrike on these Iranian-controlled areas, these proxy. So what exactly did they hit and what did they do? They sent two F-16s. 
two individual airplanes, fighter attack planes, and they bombed a weapons storage facility and an ammo storage facility in Syria. The attacks that have been coming on the U.S. in Syria and Iraq have been coming from Iraqi units controlled by Iran. The U.S. was afraid that if they actually hit the units that had been attacking them, it might escalate the war and draw Iran to come in and do even more. And so what they said was they hit them and they said, we hope that they get the lesson here. Don't do that anymore. This reminds me of a bully, say in school, who's harassing everybody. And finally they harass this one student and he stamps his foot and he says, don't do it anymore. I am absolutely not impressed with the United States response to the Iranian attacks on US forces when we know very good and well the 12 wounded soldiers have traumatic brain injuries and probably have been pulled out of the field and are going to be affected for the rest of their life. And we decide to hit a place where we don't think there will be very many human beings at. We'll just blow up some of their ammunition and, and destroy one of their warehouses. And it's not even in the same land where the attack came from. For some reason, the United States is scared to death that this thing is going to pop into a regional war, and they are doing everything they can to suppress Israel from doing too much, too quickly, that they think it might trigger Iran and Hezbollah and the other Iranian proxies to do even more. And so at this point, there's no question that the way this war is being prosecuted, Iran has the upper hand and is dictating what's happening in the Middle East. Do not listen to the United States White House or government in, in when they give the idea that somehow they're in control of what's going on. Furthermore, they are interfering with Israel's ability to defend their own nation. If you detect from me, I'm a little bit irritated by this. It's because this is the Biden doctrine of appeasement. Now we have a real war going on, and he's still trying to find a way to be nice to the enemy. I can tell you how to solve this terrorist problem in the world and the regional war problem. Let Israel do what it needs to do, and the United States needs to concentrate on Iran. And I would suggest that we use some of those high-priced weaponry that we've paid for, and we take out Iranian key strategic elements and retard their ability to be able to spend their money on terrorists. We need to whack the terrorists enough that they turn coward and run. And oh, by the way, this is historical fact. Whenever these Middle Eastern terrorists actually get hit, guess what they do? They're cowards. They run. They back off. They drop their weapons and run the other way. I don't understand why this is a well-known fact in combat with these people, why this is not being taken advantage of and hit them hard, hit them quick, and you can bring this thing to a rapid conclusion.
So I fear that we really are going to have a regional war. It will be made worse by U.S. policies in the Middle East and how they're conducting this thing and suppressing Israel to do it. It's going to endanger Israel even more so, and it's going to get to be even worse. And they're already hinting at the linkage between this and possibly with Russia and China. And if they continue down this path, we are going to have a very complicated situation, even with those nations as well. So here we are at the latest elements that are coming into the Middle East and trying to figure out exactly what they will do. There is one item, though, that I do want to mention to you that I find extremely significant and is a very good move on the part of the U.S. They have moved what is called a THAAD battery into the Israel theater. THAAD is an acronym that stands for Thermal High Altitude Area Defense. This is some really interesting stuff, and I want to explain just a little bit because this is a game changer in terms of defending the Middle East from air attack. But THAAD has some incredible interceptors that can shoot down ballistic missiles. They're not long-range ballistic missiles, but short and medium-range ballistic missiles. And that would be some of the weaponry that would be coming out of Iran and some of the super weapons that Hezbollah has. The radar on this system is very sophisticated. It's what's called an over-the-horizon radar, and that's a very special technology. They actually shoot the radar beam up, it bounces off the ionosphere, it comes back down on top of the Earth, over the curvature of the Earth, looks down on targets, anything flying, bounce back, and then they, they can see where, where it's at. Let me just tell you that that particular system, the range on that system is 600 nautical miles and better. The interceptors can shoot down air, airborne targets at a, at a range of over 120 nautical miles. They are designed to shoot down ballistic missiles in their terminal phase as they're getting ready to deploy their warheads. Putting one of those in the Middle East then allows for what's called battle management in which that one radar system now can supervise all air defense assets in the entire nation of Israel. Every iron beam answers to it. David Sling answers to it. The aero missile system answers to it. Patriot missile batteries they're moving in answers to it. And THAAD essentially solves the problem of a massive missile strike coming at Israel and can then manage exactly the interceptors as to who should take out which first, allow this missile to come in, we'll take it later with this weapon. And so it's improved and put, in fact, it puts a whole nother layer of air defense capability in to protect U.S. assets in the Middle East as well as Israel and their assets as well. Quite honestly, the greatest threat that Israel is facing in this war is a massive missile strike, a huge salvo of missiles that overwhelms their air defense and causes tremendous damage and locks down the country. THAAD is going to be a huge help in terms of providing adequate defense. Now, we don't know if it will be truly cover everything, 
but it certainly is a huge help. And for the strategy of what Israel's trying to do to defend Israel, this is a real plus. This is a real help to Israel and is a major move. That system is equivalent to the Aegis anti-missile system that is on U.S. warships. It's equivalent to any ground-based U.S. defensive air defense system against ballistic missile attack. Very effective system, been around for a while, and is really a major upgrade in U.S. support to help Israel. And I take note of that was a very significant step that's in the business of that. Here in the U.S., we still are having pro-Hamas protests. We have American citizens influenced by idiot professors on universities, prestigious universities, I might add, who don't believe in America and actually believe that terrorists somehow are freedom fighters and they're entitled to rights. And we have lost our complete moral compass with these people about determining what is evil and what is the enemy. So now we have a major social problem in our country because we have a lot of anti-Jewish sentiment walking around publicly displaying itself. And Jewish students and the Jewish community is very concerned. They're having to have more armed guards. The police is very diligently trying to protect the Jewish community. We think that these people are idiots and they're going to do harm. At the moment, it's rhetoric. But here's the problem. We've seen this pattern before in the past in world history. Starts with the rhetoric. The next thing it goes to is violence. And then we got a real problem. Can I make just a personal comment? You know, I'm, just, I'm an older fella and I'm Jewish and I know all about the Holocaust and I agree never, never again and so forth. But I will tell you, in my heart of hearts, if somebody comes up and wants to threaten me because they're anti-Jewish, and they flinch, I am not going to hesitate to respond to them. I will defend myself and my brethren and my family. I do not need to learn the lesson again of what the Holocaust is about and how it came to happen. And we are on the brink of another one in the United States of America. And it's ridiculous to me. I don't understand how we have all these laws to protect all these minority groups. You can't say anything against homosexuals. You can't say anything against blacks and minorities. But somehow it's open season on speaking evil against the Jewish people, American citizens in our own country. What happened to, to equal weights and measures when it comes to the application of the law? I don't understand why these people are not being arrested. I don't understand why the universities are not kicking these people out of school since they kick other people out of school for mispronouncing pronouns. So that's the state of affairs that we have here. The U.S. right now is trying to do everything they can to not escalate and not allow there to be escalation in the regional war that's going on. We already have the regional war. The problem's not gonna go away. Even if you get a ceasefire, and that's been mentioned, nothing changes. We still got the problem, it, it, it's not gonna hold. You know, the elephant in the room, the real problem is Iran. And until Iran is dealt with, the head of the snake is dealt with, you're not gonna solve the Hezbollah problem or the Hamas problem 
it, you're not going to solve anything at all. So are they going to do it? I don't know. I really don't know. I do know that right now the policies we're carrying out, the appeasement that we're doing and so forth, is just going to make the situation worse. So that's essentially our report for this week. And we can, I guess, expect more of the same next week of what we've been seeing this week. Last week, I shared with you the prophecy of Ezekiel 38-39. I believe that the events that we're seeing here, should that regional war finally pop and we get the missile barrage coming in on Israel, that we'll be seeing the fulfillment of the prophecies of Ezekiel 38-39. For the sake of discussion, let's say that all that happens. Let's say that the regional war really pops, and according to the prophecy that God shows up for this war and there's a tremendous decisive victory for Israel and for the God of Israel, and that there's a, a, an incredible proclamation that goes out to the world that there really is a God in Israel, and that we've seen the hand of God defending the nation of Israel from their enemies. So what would that do to the world if we suddenly saw the Hamas problem, the Hezbollah problem, and the Iranian problem suddenly solved? Completely suppressed. They're, they're, they're not active in the world. Well, according to that prophecy, it says two other wonderful things are going to take place. One is that this exile that Israel's been scattered into all the nations of the world for the last two millennia, God then declares, and by the way, the prophecy is right in there in Ezekiel 39, God then declares an end to the exile. That it's now time for all of Israel, the whole house of Israel, to return to the land. The great redemption, what's called the final redemption for the children of Israel. And at the same time, he pours out his spirit on all of Israel, on the whole house of Israel. And when he pours out his spirit, it's like that Acts 2 event, you know, in the day of Pentecost. And we have this tremendous uptick in the faith. Actually, we're going to need that for the days that are still coming beyond it. But we could be living in this generation the most exciting things that this generation has ever experienced. And it's predicated on if this war is the Ezekiel 38-39 war and it as the prophecy says, those things happen. If they happen, this is going to be a much different world for all of us. And I would add a much better world for all of us in terms of the faith. So I leave you with that encouraging word in the midst of all the other frustration going on in the world at the moment. Continue, please, to pray for Israel. Find a place that you can donate to help the people of Israel. There's a number of them that have risen up and they're doing a good job in helping the people. Please consider giving a gift to help out the people in Israel that are put into these circumstances. That's a report for this week. Shabbat Shalom. Have a great Sabbath.